Have you ever heard of harvesting icebergs? I know, sounds kind of weird, right? But it's actually something that's been going on for a very, very long time. And it makes sense when you think about what we were doing to keep cool before refrigeration came along. We had to rely on harvesting ice in the winter months. But in Newfoundland, they're kind of reinventing the idea of iceberg harvesting. They tow icebergs, they melt them, and then they sell the water. But is that a good thing? Well, Dr. Matthew Burkhold is an associate professor at Ohio University and the author of Chasing Icebergs, and he joins us now. Thank you so much for being here. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Now, is this something that we've always done, harvested icebergs in some way? So around the world, people have been interested in icebergs as a freshwater source for a long time, um, but it depends where you are. So in Greenland, the Inuit, for instance, have long used icebergs as a water source. So in the summer on long kayak trips, you could just stop and scoop out a piece of an iceberg from the water. And in winter, when all of the inland ice freezes, you could walk out to the water, chip out an iceberg and melt it back home. So in Greenland, it's fairly common. Um, in the United States, where I'm calling, people have never heard of this. Yeah. I, well, it's also, I guess, the way you just say, like harvesting an iceberg, like it's a crop or something, right? Yeah, that's right. So in some municipalities in Greenland, in Connacht, way up north, for instance, the city actually sends dump trucks out to collect icebergs and then they put them into a melter and then it comes out of people's taps. Oh, okay, that makes sense. But in Greenland, we're talking about an area that probably has a lot of icebergs. What about in a place like, say, Newfoundland and Labrador, where, you know, they're kind of part of the natural landscape, people go there to see them? Should we be doing this? Is there any kind of concern about this? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I want to start by acknowledging I'm in Ohio in the United States where we have abundant fresh water. So I don't think about very uh, often a water, but this isn't the case for people around the world. So the UN estimates by 2030 that global demand for fresh water will exceed supply by 40% and about two thirds of the world's population will face regular water shortages. So if I summarize really briefly, it's that collectively we're in trouble. So when I think about what we should or shouldn't be doing with icebergs, I have to not think about my own perspective, but think about people in Cape Town, South Africa, for instance, where they're running out of water. So two thirds of our fresh water is trapped in glaciers and ice caps. So the question for me is how can we get that to the people to, who need it without destroying the environment in the process? Well, right. Isn't it trapped there for a reason? Like, doesn't it provide a benefit being trapped there? Uh, I, I don't know if it's trapped there for a reason. You might say it's divine providence that, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago before there was human-made pollution, our planet sealed off this ice for us. So now it's waiting for us. It's perfectly free of pollution. It's low minerality. And then it sends it out in these perfectly packaged parcels of fresh water for us. Right. Um, so but it's not just, I, you know, but think, Dr. Burkle, it's not just replaceable, Right. Uh, it's not replaceable, but we get about 40,000 icebergs every year. And to give you a sense, a comparatively small iceberg at 2,000 feet long and 650 feet thick would be able to supply Cape Town water for an entire year. So it's replaceable insofar as those glaciers are going to keep growing. Of course, that's not the trend, as you observed. So eventually we're going to run out of glaciers and ice caps. But at that point, we're in much bigger trouble. Okay, well, that's a good point, because that was my initial thought was that, well, yeah, we can't, they're not just going to keep regenerating. We're not growing new icebergs, but you're saying deal with one problem at a time. 
Yeah, so the, the way I think about this is this is in no way a solution to global warming. And if anything, this is this is a sign of just how bad global warming is getting, that we're getting more and more icebergs every year. But we might think about this as a sort of silver lining that we're getting now, again, 40,000 icebergs a year. If we can just pull a few from the Arctic and Antarctic to places that really need fresh water, we're going to be able to keep some people alive that otherwise might really be struggling in the face of freshwater shortages. You were talking about what happens to icebergs in international waters. What happens? That's right. So once an iceberg calves from a glacier, it moves through territorial waters. So then it'll belong to Greenland, or in that case, Denmark or Canada, or if that makes it all the way to the United States, the United States. But once it crosses that 200 nautical miles from a coastline, it's in international waters, and an iceberg belongs to anyone. So it's first come, first serve. So if I were to go out and find a you know, million-ton iceberg, that could belong to me if I simply got there first. Or it could belong to a corporation. So my fear is icebergs, once they hit international waters, are going to end up in the hands of the elites rather than the people who need them most. Well, yeah, that's what I'm wondering. So are we going to fight about this now? Do we need rules about this? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I started this project about five years ago, and everyone laughed at me and said, this is absurd. We're never, never going to harvest icebergs except for people in Newfoundland. Because there they've been doing it for so long, they see that, that it's a business and they have all the technology to do it. And so what I've learned is we need to get ahead of this before it starts happening. So there are currently three major players who are trying to do long-distance towing from Antarctica to Africa. And there's currently no legal apparatus to regulate what that looks like in terms of who gets the icebergs or the environmental consequences. So we don't have any environmental laws in place over who should be able to drag icebergs or where they can take them or how many. Is any is this on the radar of any country to talk about this? Yes. Yeah, so South Africa has been exploring this as an option to alleviate water insecurity. Um, in the United Arab Emirates, there's a serious effort to drag icebergs to the desert. Um, in one imagination, they're transforming the red desert to a green oasis. I don't think that's possible. Um, and then there's a German company that's actually uh, raising money privately. So it's not through the government, but it's through a private company. Um, more recently, uh, there was a there was a small bottler operating out of Svalbard in Norway, um, and he was actually selling his bottles of iceberg water for 100 euros a bottle. Whoa! Were people buying it? Yes. Yeah, it was doing really well. You could buy it in Hong Kong, in Sydney, in Los Angeles. Um, in Los Angeles, I think it was retailing for 150 US dollars. Um, people people have this really strong association with icebergs as being almost like sparkling diamonds or these sort of rare ephemeral gems, because we're so far away, at least in the United States, from icebergs. Um, it's something that scholars describe as arcticism, this idea that we have a set of images that come to constitute knowledge of a much more heterogeneous terrain. So in the Arctic, we tend to think about it in these fixed tropes as being like pristine and pure and sublime. So then that gets associated with icebergs. And then we stop thinking about icebergs as a natural resource. And we think about them as a luxury item. So then people are all of a sudden willing to pay $100 for some iceberg water. It, it doesn't, it seems to me, Dr. Burkholder, what we're really doing here as well is we're kind of commodifying something that we were looking at as a natural wonder or something beautiful before. Yeah, exactly. Um, and in that commodification process, because we still have this association, it's becoming a high-end commodity. So in 2010, for instance, uh, Chanel Carl Lagerfeld dragged an iceberg to Paris 
to sell fantasy fur looks, right? So we have this really strong association between luxury and icebergs. Then unfortunately, that means people laugh when we think about letting people who don't have a lot of money consume icebergs, right? This, this feels like a luxury. Why should we drag an iceberg to Africa then? So in part, I think we need a legal framework, but we also need a broader cultural conceptual shift in how we're thinking about icebergs. Okay. And how do we start that process? Uh, I, I guess, you know, my, my very modest academic attempt is write a book and just shout <laughs> into the void. We need to rethink icebergs. Um, you know, I think in, in many ways, Newfoundland is doing really exciting work um, where you can buy iceberg beer, you can buy iceberg wine. Um, icebergs are used for beauty products. But again, it's this pure, unpolluted water. So we're showing that you can use icebergs a lot of way. Now we just need to regulate what corporations do it to make sure that icebergs are equitably divided among people in the world. Right. Um, because really, I think it is everyone's resource. Right. But when you talk about places like Greenland and Newfoundland and Labrador, as you point out, they have long associations, long relationships uh, with icebergs. But dragging an iceberg to the United Arab Emirates or to Paris for a fashion show, that seems out of the norm. (laughs) Yes, certainly out of the norm. Um, I think it could do a lot of good in the world, though. Um, Again, when we when we go back to those statistics and think about a quarter of the world's population living in water stressed countries, what can we do to alleviate that that problem? Um, So I think if we can manage to do it in a way that doesn't harm the environment, then icebergs might be a good idea. We're going to harm the environment twofold, though. We're going to damage the Arctic or the Antarctic where the iceberg is taken from. And then also the local ecosystem where a giant block of frozen freshwater is deposited into much warmer water. So we don't want that to be happening 40,000 times a year. We want that to be happening only a few times a year. We want this to be a gentle process. And for that, we need laws to step in and regulate how many icebergs people can take. Hmm. Well, thank you for flagging this for us. It was interesting. Yeah. um, Again, Canadians are ahead of the rest of the world in this process. So I think we have a lot to learn from, from my neighbors up north. All right. Well, thank you so much for that. That's Dr. Matthew Berghold, Associate Professor at Ohio University, author of Chasing Icebergs.